Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so we're reading my book, The Pesky Kids 2, Bear in the Woods, and we're up to chapter 23, The Big Day Out. But I have to warn you, this chapter is incredibly long. I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote it. It's just bizarrely very, very long. And there's no way I can do all this in one episode. So I'm going to have to split it into at least two episodes, possibly even three. We'll see how we go. But let's get started with part one of chapter 23. Here we go. Ingrid drove Dad into town first thing the next day. Dad had not been alone with Ingrid since they found the secret database in his wife's email inbox. This may seem odd, but Dad had learned the hard way that curiosity could be dangerous. When he had a problem, it was Dad's go-to strategy to try not to think about it and hope it would go away. It sounds childish, but at heart, a surprising number of adults are childish. Dad hadn't always been like this, but life had made him regress. I shared the file with Professor Maynard, said Ingrid. Dad flinched. He still flinched every time Ingrid spoke to him in English. He preferred their conversations when he had no idea what she was saying. All their conversations in English were about very grim matters. She's not coming here, is she? worried Dad. I don't know, said Ingrid. She didn't tell me how she would proceed. She just told me to stay close until further notice. So she's doing something, said Dad. That's good, isn't it? It means we don't have to. Ingrid shrugged. Who would want a list of people in Karawong, said Dad. He didn't want to know, but he couldn't stop the question from bubbling up in his mind. It wasn't a list of everyone, said Ingrid. Just most people, said Dad. Maynard will take care of it, said Ingrid. We should concentrate on our own mission. Not letting the kids get kidnapped by the collective, said Dad. And not getting kidnapped yourself, said Ingrid ominously. When they got to town, Dad couldn't find Constable Pike anywhere, so he decided to tell the mayor instead. He was supposed to meet her at 8am to go over his great green thumb responsibilities, but when he did, she wouldn't listen to his explanations about bear fur and DNA evidence. This is Daffodil Day, Mr Pesky. I absolutely refuse to allow my focus to be drawn into any wild goose chases, said the mayor. Bear, said Dad. It would be a wild bear chase. It could be a wild flying unicorn chase for all I care, said the mayor. I wouldn't blink an eye. My focus is purely on the Daffodil Festival. It's the third biggest tourist attraction on the Karawong events calendar. I refuse to allow tourists to be put off by talk of an imaginary bear. But that's just it. It's not imaginary. It's real, argued Dad. If that were true, it would just be an even better reason to stay quiet about the whole thing, said the mayor. Now you need to go and get your robes on. Robes, said Dad. Oh yes, said the mayor. The Great Green Thumb is a star attraction. You have to wear the official robes so that people know you're in charge. But I'm not in charge, protested Dad. I'm not capable of handling responsibility. Of course you're not actually in charge, said the mayor. I'll tell you who wins each category, but today you're the symbolic figurehead of Daffodil Day, so you need to dress and act the part. 
Meanwhile, on the far side of the gardens, April, Finn, Joe and Loretta had just arrived. This is insane, declared April, clutching Pumpkin tightly for fear of losing him in the throng. The Daffodil Festival was not at all what they had imagined. They had envisioned some hokey, quaint local festival, half-heartedly supported by a couple of dozen elderly gardening enthusiasts, but that was not the case. Currawong was heaving with tourists. Every nursing home in the state seemed to have emptied out its residents into tour buses and sent them to Currawong for the weekend. There were coachloads of visitors from Japan, Korea and China as well. A babble of foreign languages could be heard as guides showed their tour groups through the banks of daffodils on display. Even the pesky kids had to concede that the flowers were seriously impressive. Teenagers generally don't spend much time considering the beauty of a flower, unless they gauge in the exact angle to hit it with a cricket bat in order to knock the bloom off. But the flower beds, planters and pots, brimming with daffodils of every variety, were just so bright and yellow, it was hard not to feel cheerful looking at them. Karawong might be nuts, said Finn, but they do know how to throw a random, weirdly-themed festival. The marshalling and organisation was military-grade in its precision. There was a huge marquee in which a large team of elderly ladies, overseen by Mrs Bellamy, were doling out tea and honey cakes at a rate that would put McDonald's to shame. Every cake was hand-drizzled with locally produced honey and served with a piping hot mug of tea to eager tourists desperate for some good old-fashioned high-carb food. At the other end of the gardens was another marquee filled with table after table of competition entries. Townsfolk nervously hovered around, desperate to see if they'd won and anxious to make sure no one tampered with their bloom. Oh, look, there's Matilda, said Loretta, pointing to a bench just outside the competition marquee. Why is Constable Pike handcuffing her to the bench, asked Joe. Oh, well, last year she snuck in a bag of snails and let them loose on the best bloom section, said Loretta. She's been barred from entering the competition tent for 30 years. 30 years? That's a bit harsh, said Finn. She was unlucky with what plants the snails ate first, said Loretta. They ruined all of Constable Pike's entries, so he threw the book at her. Hey, there's Dad, said Joe. Oh my gosh, said Finn. Dad's wearing a dress, exclaimed April. Quick, someone take a photo. We need to have photographic evidence of this so we can mock him for decades to come, said Finn. Dad was being led up onto the rostrum at the centre of the garden. He was wearing what looked like a long academic gown, except that it was bright, almost iridescent green. But the gown was tame compared to what was on his head. What is that? asked April. Is it a hat? I think it's a headdress, said Joe. It's the great green thumb ceremonial crown, said Loretta. He's wearing a giant daffodil on his head, said Finn. Yes, agreed Loretta happily. This is why Currawong is the greatest place to live on earth. There's so much to enjoy. He looks like a dill, said April. Niban a la valdit ufachanda, said Ingrid. Dinva alska vaka bloma, ohana glad som e vaka bloma, du bora vara glad for hanskul. What did she say, asked Joe. She thinks you're being rude, explained Loretta. She turned and spoke to Ingrid in Swedish. Banedetta landet a altid ufruskanda mosina forelda. Detta traditionellt. Det ledde till att fullet drama kanna sig skildiga och dame kjoppe de mye pilar. Ingrid responded by grunting scornfully. What was that? asked Finn. I just explained that it's traditional in your culture to show no respect for elderly relatives, said Loretta. 
dad tapped on the microphone and it whistled feedback, making everyone in the crowd wince. Many of those with hearing aids turned them off altogether. One of the great benefits of needing a hearing aid is pretending that the batteries run out when you're forced to sit through something boring. Oh my goodness, said Loretta excitedly. Look, Agnes Dalrymple is here. The pesky kids craned their necks to see over the crowd. At the very front was an extremely old little lady. She was wearing a long woolen coat, despite the warmth of the day, and a very odd felt hat that looked more like something a street urchin would wear in a Dickens novel. She doesn't look too fierce, said Finn. Old people shrink on the outside, said April, but they get grumpier on the inside. I know it isn't September 19th yet, but I do hope she bops the mare on the head again, said Loretta. Ahem, began Dad, clearing his throat. Um, uh, he looked shiftily about. He looks like he's thinking of making a run for it, said Finn. Dad spotted his children in the crowd and suddenly looked less scared. Oh, there you are. Hello, kids. He waved happily at Joe, Finn and April. Ugh, groaned April. For ten years we didn't see him once. Then the day he dresses up as a gladioli, he waves and points us out in a crowd. Daffodil, not a gladioli, said Finn. Same, same, said April. They don't look anything alike, said Finn. They're both flowers, aren't they, said April, so they must look alike. Shh! Matilda shushed them from her spot on the bench. He's about to award the prizes. We all want to hear this. Shut it, snail wrangler, said April. Thank you all for coming here to the 76th Annual Daffodil Day Celebrations, said Dad, reading off a piece of paper handed to him by the mayor. Being the great green thumb is the greatest honour of my life. He looked up and turned to the mayor. But that's not true. I was awarded my PhD by Jane Goodall. That was the greatest honour of my life. What about having kids, heckled April. Wasn't that your greatest honour? Well, I'm not sure it was an honour. It was certainly great, agreed Dad. But so much blood and fluids. Definitely the greatest nerve-wracking experience of my life. It's just a speech, hissed the mayor. Everyone could hear her over the overly sensitive microphone. Just read it. Typical politician, called April, thinking it doesn't matter that you're forcing a man to lie. Not just any man, said Loretta. She's forcing the great green thumb to lie. There were murmurs of unease in the crowd. The mayor poked Dad in the back, making him turn to face the microphone. Get on with it, she urged. He should be using this opportunity to tell everyone about the bear, muttered April. It's my great pleasure to announce the winners, read Dad. He looked up again. Well, that's a fib too, he turned to explain to the crowd. I find talking to large groups utterly terrifying. I enjoy growing daffodils, but talking about daffodils to 5,000 people scares the daylights out of me. It's all I can do not to pee my pants right now. There was applause from the crowd. The people of Currawong appreciated his honesty and his dedication to daffodils. No one wants to know about your pants, pleaded the mayor. I do, called Loretta. Are you wearing the nice blue ones with the red spots I bought you? Yes, as a matter of fact, said Dad. He explained for the crowd, that's Loretta Viswanathan. She doesn't usually buy my underwear, but she said the great green thumbs shouldn't just wear Y-fronts from the supermarket. This is my chance, said April. Everyone's listening. She started shoving her way through the crowd. What are you doing, asked Finn. April, don't cause a scene, called Joe, hurrying after her. But he was much bigger and he couldn't get through the crowd. It was too late. The next second, April pushed away past Agnes Dalrymple and popped up on the side of the rostrum. Neither the mayor nor dad noticed. 
And we'll leave it there. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.